What started as an escape from work and reality has tumbleweeded into a life of its own. Mike Puma, one of the more outspoken faces of Gothenburger Social Club, sits to explain why you can't just pay dues and join this kind of club. Whether it be touring the city for the best burgers and dinners or preparing for the next pop-up event, Gothenburger Social Club is likely to make time to visit your city soon enough. Let's go on the record with Mike Puma of Gothenburger Social Club. Good to be here. You've well, got you've got a lot to explain to us here, and you how know how much time we have. I don't know how much how much can we <laughs> record on this space we got? until it cuts off on its own. How much memory we have in that card there? <laughs> so it, it's it's crazy having you here to talk maybe a little bit about the back end aspects of the social media and how that has kind of contained a a growth of its own, and more so also about coming into all these restaurants and being able to promote and aid restaurants in their own growth too. Because it seems like every single place that you step into winds up all of a sudden seeing a big influx of business come for the next coming days as all these posts come off here. Yeah, so, you know, and it's been interesting. We've had a, a fair amount of restaurants actually share with me the actual percentage and the dollar amounts from when we came in. You know, one guy told me his sales were up a quarter of a million dollars from when we stepped in the door. Holy shit. And that's not just a direct relationship for me. It's that other influencers want to jump in. They want to see what we're covering and what we're talking about, and then they share it with their network. And it's just a domino effect. That's when it works correctly, you know, when it's done organically and for real. How, did it, how does somebody quantify the number of knowing exactly what came in from? Like, it's more he just looked at his records over the years and saw just a huge jump. I've heard from, you know, I, I can't quantify it myself because I don't see the numbers. Um, I don't ask. People will tell me that, you know, you've had a big impact. You saw a big jump after you started posting about us or talking about us. Um, I did have one PR company that said they had just a direct correlation from when we went to one of their spots they invited us into to the amount of burgers the next day. I mean, it went from them having one or two burger sales to like 50 the next day. Insane. You know, like this was no coincidence. This was finally some hard data that we could Show people what you guys are capable of bringing in. Well, I mean, this is fully interesting, obviously. And we're going to talk about the numbers and the growth in a second. But why don't you educate our listeners back into where this all started, why this was started. And, I mean, it almost feels like a a grown man's, we have a little bit of taste now. We're not kids anymore, but almost like a grown man frat to some extent. To a degree, you know, at the the crux of... What we did when we started this was an excuse to get out and, and get together, you know, once a month. Um, as every, whether you're a man or a woman, will attest, as you get older, you don't see your friends at all, as often. So what was a weekly get-together started turning into a couple of times a month, once a month, once every other month, because life just gets in the way. You know, people move out of the city, they change jobs, they get married, they have kids, you just don't have the time anymore. So literally bored one night with... No other, you know, thought of, of what this would actually become other than it was supposed to be a burger tour for one year. I posted something on Facebook, a cover magazine. I invited it to everybody on Facebook and said, who wants to go on a burger tour? We'll try each one of these burgers for a year, see which one we like the best. And at the time when I did that, I thought Instagram was just nothing more than filters. I had no idea of any social, you know, aspect to it. Um, so wait, about what year was this? When did you guys get started? This was, uh, this was August of 13 um, that I put together the list and, you know, started actually having to formulate a plan because we had a big group of people that wanted to do this. 
And we were joking, you know, we said, all right, in, in a couple of months, it's going to be like three of us. We had 15 or 16 guys the first time we went out. And I said, we can't go to restaurants on Thursday nights or Friday nights and hit them with 15 burgers at, you know, 8 o'clock. So we, we picked Tuesday at 6. It was much more, you know, feasible for restaurants to accommodate us. Um, and I was, I was just, again, having fun with it. Started a page on Instagram for the guys to follow. 15 guys in the group figure all right let's have a little fun we'll take some pictures there's this you know new format coming out one of the things i love when we started it back when the the term influencer did not exist in 2013 there was none of that um but i did know that we were onto something interesting just from the comments from our first couple of posts i mean we only had a few people following us but it was you know how do i join you have a newsletter i want to find out more about it i'm like all right this is this is interesting and then it just kind of organically picked up steam. We had some great press that kind of got us to where we are today. And I think one of the things that people enjoyed was, you know, we, we took people a little bit behind the scenes. We were very honest in what we talked about with, with the food we were eating um, and just shared our experiences. And people were kind of living vicariously through us. With starting this, and a lot of times we look at things as maybe an early mover advantage, where in 2013, the phones were kind of just becoming a little bit better. The pictures oh, were yeah. a little bit more clear. And you know damn well when you open up Facebook and it says, this happened five years ago, and you look at the quality <laughs> of the photo, and you're like, I could almost Absolutely. not even see that. Absolutely. I mean, I've got these albums on my Facebook page of food porn. <laughs> I look at them, I'm like, what the fuck was I taking pictures of? This is just horrible. But what? at the time, it was cutting edge, and you were doing yeah. a lot with what we were supplied. Well, you know? it's, again, it's your expectations. You didn't have any expectations. You had nothing to compare it to other than a professional photo shoot. You just now had this kind of grainy, dark picture or whitewash flash picture. Um, but you were giving people something. You, you were giving them an opinion, a thought, a dish, an idea, a restaurant, just something that they could go back to. So when you formed this, though, and... You essentially create a Facebook group? It was uh, nothing more than a Facebook post. Okay. It just said, okay, and then... Friends I, chiming I in. said, we're going to meet up this day at this time. And yeah, it was, uh, that's literally the extent of it. There was no, there, there was, there was you know, no, no thought about really what was going to go into this or what it was going to become. What and was that's the, one of the things I love about it. What was the first restaurant you guys went to? Uh, first one, you were going to say that was uh, God, uh, Brindle Room which was a great burger. Yeah. And I always laugh now. I said, I'd love to go back after, you know, the thousand burgers we've eaten since then, go back and have it again, see, you know, how it compares, yeah, how yeah. it rates. Yeah, thousand burgers since then? Is that how Probably, Jesus. <laughs> probably too many. Hey, you got to probably hit the gym three times a week to be able to do this, I huh? I have literally gone to the gym, I mean, in probably well over a year. Talk about metabolism. That's your, you know, there, there you go. Now you have an argument. <laughs> I was waiting for you to step foot in here and back wide over the gym. Everything in moderation. At some point in life, you know, you start splitting burgers, mixing a salad. I do do some intermittent fasting days that I know I'm going to have a big meal at night. I don't eat breakfast or, or uh, lunch. Um, but I need to get back in the gym. So, and the pop-ups have been doing a lot of work, too. I, be I believe it. That's... I mean, at one point I was down like 19 pounds during the summer, sweating over <laughs> yep, that sweating grill. Yeah, sweating over that grill. That'll do it That'll do you'll, it you'll lose a lot of weight fast. So we're going we're gonna to definitely talk about the pop-ups and how that works. And, you know, considering we do cover the business side of things mostly on the podcast, too, I want to really 
go into how this actually works as, as a machine. This is a machine that you've created. It is, but almost everything that I do uh, on a collaboration basis is unsolicited. People okay. coming to me. I'm not sitting out there. I mean, I know there's a lot of, I hate the term influencers, Instagrammers, whatever you want to call them, that literally their job is to reach out all day long to brands to try and, you know, get something. I don't have PR. I don't have a rep or anything like that. It's all me. Um, and it's brands that'll come in and I'll say, if I love the product, I'll get behind it. I have no problem. Some are brands that I just love. And I think the, the magic in social media is the repetition. You know, you see sponsored ads constantly. See it once and they disappear. You might have reacted off of it. It might struck a chord. But when you see somebody post that, that same product or restaurant, whatever it might be, time after time and time, it starts to sink in. And that's when people say, well, he really likes that. Let me give that a shot. And Inversely, though, too, it can be cautionary if people see the posts repeatedly too quickly in too short of a time period. Almost like over. Yeah, but um, it's got it's got to be organic. I mean, if I'm eating it a second time in a week, people are gonna know I'm I'm here a second time because I oh, like yeah. it, not because they're paying me to oh, come in here. Um, and and I think you know there's there's a lot of noise out there in Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok and everything else that's going on. Um, you you gotta you gotta separate yourself from the crowd a little bit. You gotta be genuine in what what you're posting about. In in the. F- the fact that this account has grown tremendously over the years now, too, where you are posting things by showing up into the restaurants, I mean, that's its own tumbleweed, too, where just naturally you're going to have more people coming into your inbox and saying, hey, come out to my restaurant. Oh, like, sure. I, and I that, and that's the hard part. I don't have time to do it. I can imagine. I mean, I got a, an invite to someplace in Ozone Park. I explained it. I'm like, that's a, an hour away from me. Without you know, traffic. I'll, I'll try at some point to get out there, but, you know, it, it's not going to happen anytime soon. How many restaurants would you say that you go into and eat at per week? Is there ever a time where you're just I try and limit it to two or three. You know, just common sense dictates you shouldn't be eating out, you know, that much, five, six nights a week. Um, So I try and limit it out to three, maybe four nights a week on a busy night. Uh, Things were busier, obviously, pre-quarantine and pandemic. Um, And it was a nice little break, to be honest with you. You know, you sit at home, cook. Focus on yourself a little bit. Uh, but, you know, I enjoy it, but it comes at a price. Because if I'm going out, I'm going to have a couple of drinks, maybe more than a few. Got it. Next day, you're going to feel it a little bit. Next day, you don't want to go to the gym. Next day, you <laughs> want, you know, you don't want a salad and grilled chicken. The next day, you want something greasy as fuck. That's, you know, a really bad spiral to get into. And I know a lot of people that fall into that. How many, how many guys are involved in Gothenburger Social Club? There's about 15 guys in the club, um, but most of the guys are married. Half the guys in my club aren't even on Instagram. They don't, even they don't care. They just love getting together, and that's what this was about. The guys have an excuse now once a month, second Tuesday every month we get together. Hopefully as things start to open up again, we'll have some new burgers to rate. We'll start getting the ball rolling on that again as well. Um, but that's, that's what this is all about. And then, you know, the fact that we, you know, there, there are all these burger lists out there from all the big names that, that, that are out there. I don't want to talk bad about anybody, but they were very dated. A lot of these names were just being recycled. People were tired of them. They were like, that burger wasn't that good. Talking about like top 50 lists or something. Yeah, even the top five, five okay. to ten, all, yeah. all the big lists that are out there. So we just brought a different flavor, something new to, to the playing field. And people were listening. They were paying attention. 
We were credited for putting a lot of big burgers on the map, being the first ones to talk about it and getting people in there. Um, and that became very humbling. I mean, all of a sudden you started seeing how you could move the needle. You, you feel this responsibility now. I mean, I get calls sometimes from restaurants that are really hurting, begging me to come in. And, uh, you know, there's only so much I can do. You know, it's, it's scary and it's, it's a reality that happens out there, especially right now. Well, also, too, you know, you show up to a place and if it creates, you know, 20 more meals in a day that you probably make the post the next day or so, that that's definitely impactful for a guy that's yeah. a little bit struggling and his Monday or Tuesday. keep the lights on until we get back to normal. Sure. Um, but, you know, I always tell people if I love the brand, I'll, I'll get behind it. You know, I have no problem with, with pitching something that I, I think if the people are doing great stuff, great product, you know, I'll, I'll go to town on it. So what started out as just burgers and rating burgers, though, with the boys, started evolving a little bit further. Yeah, because well, we got involved with some fundraisers, um, places where, you know, would you give us a hand? And uh, they started out with actually animal fundraisers, New York Bully Pit Crew, there was social teas. And then we were doing a social teas event to raise them some money. And they thought it would be kind of fun if we came up with this burger. And there's, you know, the Oklahoma style burger is something I've loved. It's the same form of a slider. I said, oh, we'll do this version scene, we'll, we'll cook it up. And it came out really good, and people were loving it. And then people were asking, you know, well, how do I get this burger? And I had to explain to people, it's not that, it's not that kind of gig, you know. We're just doing this for fun on the side. And they're like, you're nuts, you need to have your own place. <laughs> I said, well, we all have our jobs, you know, and this is not something we're looking to do. Uh, then we started doing some other events. Um, we did a Jeff Michener fundraiser at Pig Beach. We did... Ruizing for a cause for Carl Ruiz. And that's where we kind of had this aha moment where we started seeing the impact. We were at Koshan 555, and we were having the largest lines at these events. And everybody's coming to us saying, you know, your burger's the best thing here. And this isn't for the lack of talent. I mean, at one event, I got Chris Lilly, Billy Durney, and Josh Capon next to me. And these are all unbelievable chefs and pitmasters. And people are talking about my burger. That becomes <laughs> humbling. That's good. like an eye opener. You're yeah. kind of like, what the hell's going on here? Um, and still at that point, there was still no ambition to open up a place or take it any further than really what it was. And then during the pandemic, uh, a couple of bars had reached out and said, you know, I, I know you guys have done some pop ups. Would you want to do something? So yeah, sure. And then it's just taken on a life of its own. I mean, now we were up to doing two to three a week. Literally thousands a week. It was insane. Ex explain to us how the pop-ups work. I mean, people are listening all over the U.S. Their towns maybe aren't always as big. They don't understand the concept of a pop-up. The pop-up is, you know, you, you show up, set up the grill outside. Uh, when it was warm out, we, it was just first come, first serve. You know, the, the, the smell of beef and onions cooking on the side. People would come, like, I smelt this five blocks away. I had to find it. <laughs> And we had people waiting three, four hours for a burger. It was insane. I'm cooking everything on a 36-inch flat top. Um, but we had fun. The people that came out, there was always a great energy. Uh, they'd have a couple of drinks, wait, and they, they didn't mind. Um, and they all said it was well worth the wait, so that was great. For me, logistics are the biggest problem. I have a lot of people now asking me, can you do a pop-up with me here and do something here? I'm not equipped to move around the grill. So the grills are literally set at three places. I have a convertible car. They don't fit in my car. Like, I'll throw them away and buy a new one if I have to move them. There's no place for me to store them. So I've got grills at Pig Beach. I've got grills at Marshall Stack. I've got grills at Ray's on the Lower East Side. 
So the days that I do it, I just wheel them in the back somewhere, whether they're in the kitchen or back of the bar, uh, and I'll pull them out when we're ready to cook. I love it's just like I got grills stashed over here. I got some grills <laughs> stashed over here. Know, it makes so- it a lot easier. Sounds absolutely ridiculous, but it's true. So you have you have one uh, at Marshall Stack in two nights, right? Uh, Wednesday we'll be doing Wednesday a pop night, up there. Right. So when the weather started getting a little colder, you know, I realized I can't have people waiting out in the cold for two three hours. It's either not fair to them or they're not going to show up. So we transitioned a little bit into doing uh, prepaid events. So they contact me when I uh, announce the pop up. They'll send me a DM, tell me what they want, and I know I can do a certain amount of burgers every 15 minutes. This way, nobody's waiting around for hours. Um, we do, during the day at Ray's, I will do first come, first serve, uh, and last time we did it was Saturday. It was a real warm Saturday, two Saturdays ago, and the lines by the end of the afternoon were building up to a couple hours, but literally the reviews on social media are overwhelming. No one's complaining. It's so insane. Like, like I It's mean, insane the when way I hear talking... somebody say... I waited three hours for this burger, and it was totally worth it. Or I would have waited longer. <laughs> to me, that's crazy. And you talk about I'm comparable, not anything now. If, comparable things that people wait online for, like sneaker releases. Kids will be sitting out in line for hours to get their yeah, sneakers. Definitely seen yeah, new iPhones. People will hire somebody to sit in line for. And like you're just showing up to a place, and people are just happy to sit here for three hours and wait for their yeah. food. It's insane I mean, listen, to me. We're playing music. We, we kind of have this, this fun environment. You know, I'm... I'm Pouring some shots for some of our regulars that come by and introducing them to some of the whiskeys that I love. So we try and have a fun time while we're doing it. Sure. Uh, what, what kind of music is on that playlist, by the way? Everything. Okay. Everything no specific from genre. Country to Tupac. I mean, there you go. Nice. Half the times I'm making these playlists at like 2 a.m. I'm like, oh, that sounds great. <laughs> and then I had like some of my help was like, what the hell are you doing playing this song? Like, yeah, oh, it was good at the moment. <laughs> it was good like a good moment. idea Friday night at 3 a.m. So is there a risk, though, in doing too many pop-ups too close together in time? I thought so, but so far we sell out every time. It's awesome. I mean, there are times where I'm like, all right, you know, there are times some are a little bit slower than others. I'm like, well, that makes sense. We just did one two days ago. And Marshall Stack and Ray's are literally two blocks away from each other okay. on the Lower East Side. So it's a lot of the same crowd. Um, I would love to space it out a little bit more and, you know, do more in Brooklyn and more on the Upper East Side and West Side. But it's, it's just so much work. And these places are at least close to home for me. Yeah, and the grills are there. So, But now, until I'm ready to take the next step, get more help, you know, get a truck, is kind of what it's going to be for now. Do you look in the back end of, say, Instagram and see where the majority of your people that are following you are located? I mean, I'm assuming it's a high New York central density. Uh, yeah, it's New York. density. there's London, there's Brazil. It's all over the world. So, and, and I say this, I guess, really to say, can the pop-ups go further out? Yeah. I mean, we did a pop-up in Connecticut, and I told the guy who would invite, and we've done them out, actually, North Fork as well. Um, and I'll tell these people, if, if, you, if you're willing to get the grill, that's a game changer. So, you know, usually these Blackstone grills are like 300 bucks. They're not that expensive. Um, they're willing to buy them, and they get to keep them and use them for another one, or I'll come back up there and do another one. Uh, yeah, we'll make it work. I've done ones out in the Hamptons, and I've done ones in Connecticut. Um, there was talk of starting to build, maybe doing some stuff in Louisville, and then the pandemic kind of shut that down. I uh, might be down in Florida in a couple of weeks doing an event, still trying to iron out the details there, but I put all of that on hold because I'm just not safe traveling around. And Is it only Blackstone? 
that you'll use? Not necessarily, no. Yeah. But they're the I easiest have one. one. I have one myself. You know, they're the easiest, the easiest one. one. Um, you know, they're great for the home use. They're a little yeah. bit tougher for the heavy list lifting that we're doing. I meant at home, by the way. Just, <laughs> so not here. But not I, mean, I, I looked at getting a custom grill, and I would love to. I have no place to store it. I, I just sit in the back of my head. I'm like, where the hell am I going to put this thing? Where is your favorite burger in the city, aside from your own? Uh, <laughs> honestly, favorite burgers are tough, you know, and I, I hate the term best because whenever anybody uses that term, oh, this is the best. Yeah, that's subjective. Well, that implies that you ate every single <laughs> wing in Westchester, that this is the best wing, and you probably didn't. Right. Uh, so there's a lot of great stuff. So for me, it's my mood. What am I in? You know, am I in the mood for a, a double smash patty? Am I in the mood for a nice eight ounce dry aged uh, burger? Um, but there are a few burgers that I do crave on a regular basis. Uh, I love the burger at Bowery Meat Company. I love the burger at Happiest Hour. Uh, burger at La Ravage. They have a French onion soup burger that's amazing. Four Charles Burger. You can get it. Just an incredible burger. It's probably the best rendition of the Old Cheval Burger in New York City. I was going to ask if you had the Old Cheval Burger. Um, that's a great burger. And you're a gr- griddle burger, right? Yeah. Good. Can can you well, walk us through how you build your burger? I mean, like I've seen pictures of it. I think I know what goes on it, but yeah. So else. I mean, uh, it's a ball of meat. I do three ounce patties, cover it with onions. Um, then you go smash the onions into the beef. At that point, I season it. People season it all different things. To me, now I've got a wide surface. I can make sure everything's evenly seasoned. Uh, build that crust. It, it doesn't take too too long on that grill. It gets pretty hot. Um, then you just want to have the right equipment. A good scraper, so you're not leaving, you know, excess on the grill. Um, and I use a, a Martin's potato bun. You know, toast that up a little bit. I think it gives a nice little toasty, uh, nutty flavor to it. Uh, American cheese, that melts the best. And condiments are up to everybody. We dress it for everybody's, you know, taste. I offer special sauce, mustard, ketchup. I tell people use condiments sparingly. But a little bit goes a long way. Just that little hint of ketchup, that little hint of mustard, kind of brings some of those nostalgic flavors of when we were growing up. To me, one of the biggest benefits of this burger is that it cooks extremely quickly, no? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can make one in a few minutes. Sure, and if you're making one of these in a few minutes, you're putting out one of these decently quickly, I would think, but we still have a line of like guys just waiting for hours to get burgers. We, we had to we had to literally limit the orders at one point because people were coming up and they're like, yeah, I need ten doubles. <laughs> well, they and were selling and then the them. The person behind him would be like, yeah, I need five doubles. I'm like, <laughs> that's your entire All right, That's twenty minutes of burgers right there. No one else is getting a burger before you guys. Like, so we had to say, all right, four patties per person. You can get two doubles, four singles, but at least some way to move the line a little bit more. Makes sense. So as much concentration that there is on burgers, though, too, and when I go back to look at the Gotham Burger Social Club Instagram, there's a lot more than just burgers on that now at this yeah, point, Yeah, and I tell too. people, I, I, even from day one, you know, if, if it's something I like, I'll share it. You know, I know people want to see the burgers and they want to see the red meat. They certainly don't want to see salads and fish. I mean, there's not but really much have, of that. But if I have an amazing fish dish, I will show it. And in, But it is unfortunate because I know what, what is going to get the traction. And it's what they want to see. And, you know, it's, it's the food porn. It's the sensational stuff. You know, you don't want to see a well-crafted dish that just looks good. Without the, without without the meat. The, yeah. In it, those photos that you do post, though, that are not the burger photos, do you see them maybe not do as well or gain as of much course, traction, right? But I don't care. Oh, for I'm me, not saying it's like, about that. Like, for me, I don't make my living off of this. Nobody owes me anything. So whether that 
post gets 500 likes or 5,000 sure. likes means you know nothing to me. If it's a place I want to help, I'm going to repost them again in a few weeks. And they'll, you, they'll come back on my feed, and, you know, the, the point will get across. Do you notice over the course of time, because now that you guys have been doing this for some time, do your buddies ever wind up saying, I'm not showing up to this dinner? I'm, we've done too many dinners in a week. i got to oh, no, stay no. home a little no, bit. No, no, the guys, I mean, most of the guys in the club all have kids, so they're going out once, once a month if they can make that, that meeting. Um, a lot of those times I'm just bringing out friends and going out by myself and bringing my wife out. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's not so much like a burden on everybody else. It's mostly, most of the pressure's on myself. So the, cl- the club is, it's not an actual club. We're not paying dues to anything no. to no, help No, and people run. always ask, how do I join and want to come eat with you guys? And I kind of have to explain that the group of friends that got together, and at this point, even at 15, you know, I couldn't take on more people if we wanted to. You know, you, you can't. Can't, can't roll seat. 20 deep to a restaurant. Right, you can't right. seat, get tables, obviously, for 15 is a struggle in New York City. And it's, uh, it's a lot on a kitchen to get out 15 burgers properly uh, for us. You know, we, I've worked with restaurants and said, listen, if you can do six and six, that's fine. And space them out. Well, you know, whatever works for you guys. Don't feel like you have to get all 15 out at once. Because some of them are working with, you know, small flat tops. Um, I've also had restaurants tell me, don't post about my burger anymore. Like one guy had a, an off-the-menu burger, and he yeah, went in there. It was great. Loved it. Posted it. The next day, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> and somebody's like, oh, this, this guy posted about it. He literally sent me a message. He's like, please don't post about my burger. Anymore. He's like, it crushed our kitchen. <laughs> he goes, our, our, our flat top is, is small. We just do it off the menu for something fun. We, we obviously want to push all the other stuff. He's like, we had no room to cook anything else because people are coming in for burgers. Yeah, right. That's hysterical. You would think most restaurants would say, can you come again? So you, you know, you it, listen, it was Mark Forgione. He doesn't need my help. He's a very successful restaurant. Well, there you go. But, you know, the whole thing was he, he just expects to serve one or two of these burgers a night. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're getting 10, 15 orders. He's like, it was just crushing my kitchen. So what, what else are you doing outside of this then? If this isn't necessarily like this. So I'm a financial consultant. Okay. Gotcha. So the fact that I don't have kids gives me a lot of time. To, you know, focus on this. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have the time to do all this. All right, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense then. And when we, when I first actually met you, it was at the Legion Dinner at Boucherie, and there were probably about 20 people in attendance, if not mm-hmm. more there. And we talk about not crushing the kitchens. Now, if you looked over the ledge, because they gave us a little private area upstairs, you looked over the ledge down at the kitchen, all you saw was steaks strewn across I the mean, entire is grill just, top. Just a machine. They have some really talented chefs there. Um, they've got. I mean, if you look at those grills, they're enormous. There's a lot of kitchen space. There's like two of them. How much they can pull out? If not three, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, and that is a lot of stress to put onto a place. And those weren't just regular plates. Yeah, but we those were, t- were we were taking plates. you know tables that would have ordered steaks anyway. So it, it was really we didn't put any added pressure on them. We curated the menu before we went in, you know, with Cal, with Legion. Um, so they knew exactly what they were getting into and, and prepped everything as a whole loin. So they weren't cooking, you know, 25 different tenderloins. You're cooking two whole loins and cutting them up. So explain to me, too, putting together a dinner like that, who's really the responsible party for the most part that's putting that together? So I was asked to host it. Uh, Legion and Jim Beam had, had approached me about doing something. 
They thought it'd be really fun to do a, a Wagyu and whiskey event. So I know a lot of good Wagyu providers. I talked to Cal. They would love to do it. Um, and we just kind of put something together. And then kind of once I introduce all the parties, I step away. Let the chef curate the menu. I let the host figure out the financing of it. And then my job is, you know, bring in some people and talk about it. So you're essentially putting the meetings together for these guys to figure yeah, it out. I'm not and... putting together the menu. Yeah. I'm not a chef. Let, let them do that. So yeah, all right. So I'm just saying, for example, say there was an event sitting here, right here, that was being put together. You may be hosting this event, and you may say, hey, we could suggest using this meat vendor. Um, yeah. I have ties to them. They're good guys. They've got good quality meat. And we'll sell this place out, and that's it. And at no point, maybe you don't get like a finder's fee taken off the top or something of that nature. Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. That was a sponsored event. That sure, I got nice. Paid to do. All right. So these, was a lot of work. Oh, but you, those are different than, than normally. So your normal posts are... Yeah, not, my normal posts are yeah, just completely organic. That was, I always want to... We actually... In, we were talking... And especially with, right uh, now, like when I get invited into restaurants, you know, I'm, I had a restaurant recently, you know, they comped the bill and I said, what the hell are you doing? I'm here to support you guys right now. Like, I'm not looking for freebies. And the guy literally said, he goes, you know, you didn't reach out to us. He only recognized me in the restaurant. He goes, I get people reaching out and asking for freebies. He goes, you didn't ask for anything. Happy to comp your meal. I'm like, <laughs> that's a, money for you, sir. We were a, just talking in the last episode. We were talking to uh, Britt, and she was talking about And I agree, we get a lot of foodie influencers that will actually approach us and say, oh, I have X amount of followers. We'd love to come in and, and work, yeah, yeah. work with that you. That blows my mind. I don't know. And, they, they've got some balls <laughs> doing that stuff. Yeah. I find it, it is. slightly obnoxious. I think there's a professional way to ask. I actually have helped people with their social media pages, so I see the requests that come in, and it's disgusting. So, yeah, I was, you know, especially some the of them, sense I of feel entitlement like don't even have a, an idea of what their following actually is, because I've, you know, I don't want to do that anyway, but I've went and followed, and oh, we have a good following, and I look, and they have like 2,000 followers. And, and listen, like, there's, there's nothing wrong with, you know, micro-influencers, everybody's got to grow somewhere. Right. Um, it's, you know, how professional are they? What are they willing to do? You know, what are they asking for? Um, I've seen you have a whole story, the Insta fraud story. Yeah, I, I, you know, I get a lot of restaurants that ask me, like, uh, well, how do I handle this? You know, right. who's real, who's not? And it's become very difficult to really spot the frauds out there um, between the algorithm and, and some of the stuff. So I just tell people monitor their posts. If, 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 if you're serious in working with someone, turn their notifications on for a week. Every time they post, just monitor the activity. You know, if every post all of a sudden right out the gate, you know, they have a thousand likes and then the next day they have 11, 1200, they bought those. Correct. You know, that's just the way the algorithm, I know how this works. If vice versa, you know, if after five hours they have 100, 200 likes on something and the next day you look at their account and that now has 1500 likes or 2000, they bought those the next day. Right. So, you know, there's ways of spotting acts. But again, there's nothing to guarantee who's doing it. Well, there's risk in anything that you do. Yeah, and right? I think they're so, willing to take risk to a certain degree. But, you know, you just don't want to see people getting completely ripped off. Sure. Like and, I always say, like, some people have it in their mind that they have to get 1,000, 2,000, whatever likes every single picture. Otherwise, uh, it's a failure. And so the way the algorithm works from somebody who knows, who's never bought a, a like or a follow or anything, I know with the 180-something thousand followers I have that I can get 200 likes because if somebody sees something that 
I, I feel like if I post just like a bottle of whiskey, they think it's a sponsor post. They don't want to like it. Well, it's not. But that's fine. Or maybe they're just but there for the But I know that I could get a few hundred likes or I can get a few thousand. So I know and I see from other people's pages as well. So when I see somebody who's constantly getting, you know, high, you know, the same amount of likes every time, 2,000 likes every picture, there's no way they're not doing something. I was just discussing just with Just as me, I'm a data nerd, so I'm looking in the back end all the time trying to hack the system. Although there's no way you're hacking Instagram system. It's so complex that they don't make it easy enough to do. But we started a cocktail garnish company. And now building that page out on the back end, I see all these spikes every once in a while. So it's cruising at its regular altitude of how many likes and the engagement. And then all of a sudden, it goes to 10K out of nowhere. And you go, where'd that come from? And I mean, for an account that just started, that's a lot, right? So but That's fine. You can catch the algorithm if you're on an Explorer page. You'll, you'll, yeah, you'll get those bursts here and there. And, and some will do better than others. And that's what I'm saying is they're showing up. And now in this process, yes, there's a lot of people that reach out to you and they go, hey, I get a 500 likes on my photos and I have 2,000 people following, send us garnish. And I go, well, this account was just formed like three months ago. Yeah. You're not, not here you for a long like, time, yeah. right? Like, let's see this actually enact. And then I'm happy to give the guys the 30% off code. You know, I'll take yeah, the risk that. on that. Yeah. And they don't want any part of that. No. Maybe I get cursed out and I go, okay, cool, continue. <laughs> but like, this seems to be like a piece of where we are in today's well, I, I technology. I love the ones who always say, you know, Big fan of your page. We'd love to collaborate. And you look, they're not even following. And, <laughs> I mean, obviously, you're not that big a fan. I mean, you don't even follow me. For a starter, if you're going to ask for free shit from somebody, yeah, you can follow them follow. at least. Right. Engage with them. You know, show up on the radar somehow. Send me a bunch of comments on some stuff so at least I know who you are than when you just hit somebody out of the blue and ask for something. Are you using really anything else besides Instagram as far as no, putting things out there? Much. Because it's just I, easy. I, I mean, it's linked to Facebook, so it automatically gets posted on Facebook. I don't use Twitter. We're not going to fight I mean, I, I hate a lot of social media right now. I mean, <laughs> the environment we were in, obviously, over the last... I, I wouldn't even say over the last year. I mean, I got off of Facebook four years ago, you know, during all the political bullshit. I just don't want to hear people's bullshit anymore. And I put bullshit out there. I don't think people want to hear my points of view sometimes. And there are times I'll veer off and I will, you know... Get on my soapbox and say something. I, I try and limit it. Uh, but again, we all get frustrated at times. We all have a voice. We all want to be heard. Um, but sometimes it's just too much. I just had this conversation with somebody, too, where I was like, I was following this cocktail forum on Facebook because I was trying to keep in touch with what's happening behind the bar. And then all of a sudden, now it just became a whole platform to scream about equal rights and this and that. And I was just like, why can't we just go back to putting the cocktails up? That's why I was here in the first place. Well, that's what I thought. I'm like, listen, if you're, if you're an influencer who, you know, built their page playing with food and pulling cheese and all this other shit, you think I want to hear your political views? <laughs> no. Not really. I don't really care about them at all. Which, yeah, it that's, makes not, it why, that's not why I'm here that's for. That's not why we're here, yeah. So, uh, you know, the question is, obviously, you don't, you're saying that I don't do Twitter. I'm not doing the whole LinkedIn thing we're in not that capacity, you, at least. We're well, not going to find you trending you know, on TikTok. I, I think that there's obviously a great market for TikTok. That seems to be the new hot thing. Um, again, it's just, just how much time do you have in your day that you want to focus? Furthermore, can you wrap your head around another platform like that? No. Like it, it's, <laughs> it's deep. Uh, we just talked a couple of episodes back with Taco Daddy restaurant up in Stanford that's done unbelievably well on TikTok. In fact, it blew up half the business because of TikTok, right? Mm -hmm. They well, caught they got, the algorithm. They got, well, they got um, the girl, what's her name? Uh, One Char of the Charlie. Uh, 
The girl that's like oh. the number one. He's, no, oh, no it's one of the influencers on TikTok yeah. and whatever it is, it's relevant this time. The first, period. like, I looked at TikTok and I just thought it was a much younger audience. Then I see that there's some people doing some cool cooking stuff on there. So maybe at some point I'll, I'll jump on board, but. Well, the one thing to look forward on is that the younger audience becomes the older audience at some yeah. point. And if these platforms are still around, they use these platforms as their primary, where for them, maybe Instagram's then outdated or they never use it again. And that's where I realize that I'm starting to age when I look at the younger guns doing things. And I'm just like, they just going to do that for the rest of their life? Could they don't use Instagram <laughs> or Facebook? Because Facebook is looked at as an older person's platform to actually talk yep. and speak and put a voice out there. Instagram has been beautiful pictures, but now they're all the I videos. Mean, I just want, at what point are people just tired of it? It's like another streaming service. It's like, what more do we, do we need another one? You know, you After Discovery friends, Plus, you we don't. You built up all your shit. Like, Discovery Plus has the cat. Yeah, and and what I'm really gearing towards here is YouTube. You haven't really taken advantage of YouTube in that no, sense? No, I missed that boat. Okay. Yeah. I'm you feel idiot. like it's completely just over? I said it's over, but... I mean, again, I, I would need to take this to another step to bring on more of a team, to bring in production team and crew and have them do some really well, you know, produced videos um, to go in that direction. Now that we're going back into the summer, we're going to be back outside again. Nobody has to fear having anybody wait in lines for two and a half hours, three hours. Well, they'll still be waiting in lines. So it'll just be warmer. <laughs> <laughs> More comfortable lines. So in Maybe we'll have a drink or something. I'm, but that's, you know, the, the other part of it, you know, you're there to support the bar. So if you're, you know, I have bars tell me, you know, that yesterday we did $200 in business. Today we did $2,500 in business when you came. The big difference. Big jump. Yeah. So you know, people realize that they understand what they're, you know, what they're there for, and they're helping those bars. They're literally keeping them in business by sitting there for a few hours drinking. Are you planning now ahead though for the summer occasions where you're going to have these pop-ups happening oh, already yeah. and locking yeah, them I'll into still, place? I'll still be doing them, you know, once twice a week. Okay. Are you going to be at Pig Beach for a brisket king? Can we do that. I, I actually would love to do something with them. I'm going to try and you know help them promote it a little bit. Um, I actually just spoke to Matt Abdu. The other day, um, but I think it's awesome that they're doing it there. This yeah, year. I'm excited. We're, we'll be there for that. I mean, explain it to me, somebody who doesn't know. So, Brisket King is uh, it's basically a competition. You got all the barbecue restaurants. Two years ago, when we were there, actually, somebody from London won. I forgot the name of the. I don't remember. I forgot the, guy's the name, name of some, but someone actually came from London just to compete in the Brisket King, and they actually won won the first place. But you get like 30, 30 barbecue restaurants. Everybody's doing brisket in creative ways. We did. What do, what do we, we do? did uh, jerk brisket sliders on matzo ball buns. Yeah, so jerk like, brisket sliders. You know, you see all different kimchi was there. They did a, they did a really nice wow. brisket. Yeah, he does he does a great brisket. Yeah, he does. So it was an awesome event. There was a ton of people there. And then last year, obviously, you know, we were all ready to go for it. This is this is happening in March, April. This is April, April, April. Yeah, and then we saw the announcement that it's back on and it's at Pig Beach this year. And we're like, which is an outdoor... It's an outdoor spot, yeah. Okay. Well, and that's what you need to succeed in doing, I think, anything from the summer. And that's why I asked you if you're planning things already in for the summer, and are you taking into account maybe I mean, the spaces? No. No, I mean, if I, if I was doing them in the summer before, I'll go back to do it the same way. Um, you know, if I could... If we, if we could do a successful pop-up when it's 20 degrees outside, at, you know, the lower side of Tuesday night, the weather going forward, that's not even an issue. Do you see some of these trends changing, though, in the way that people are coming out to eat that makes it easier for you? 
in doing um, events now? Is it more so just rolling up, getting something to go, and kind of just eating it around on the I don't streets? Know. Well, I think that we have a lot of regulars. It's, it amazes me the amount of you know the same faces that I see week after week that come out and support us. Um, I think they'll still be there. They'll be looking for it. You know, you, you really can't get that burger anywhere else in the city. Um, so you know, we'll continue to do it. I mean, I would love to ultimately have a brick and mortar and open up our own restaurant. Uh, but for me personally, I'm not a restaurateur, so I would have to have the right partners to execute it the right way. Um, and we'll see what happens with that. No, no, I want to rewind a little bit. You meant you said the term micro micro influencer when I was asking about the influencer stuff. We came up. I'm saying we. I'm looking at Jay. He had no part in this idea. It was really. Just I like my taking idea. the credit for things. But, <laughs> but we uh, we came up with this plan to actually engage our own followers and our own our own guests that come in here and start reaching out to them on Instagram and basically offering them a gift card. Like I would just DM someone that was here one time, offer them a gift card to come back and say. You know, come back and like put stuff on your story, et cetera, like that. And our whole thought process was, if they're already a guest and they're in the area, you're probably going to get a little more, um, organic reach. More traction, yeah, yeah, a little more traction from that because it's like a social community Absolutely. that's intertwined. And we saw some good, good feedback from that, and actually jumped back. So was, also, the, there is something with the algorithm that kind of helps the smaller accounts. You look at the percentage of engagement on a smaller account versus some of the larger ones is greater. Yeah. So, yeah, they, you shouldn't rule out, you know, and, and everybody's got to start somewhere. And if you like their content and if they're committed, um, I mean, I was just talking about even regular they, they people, like just normal, like they're not even trying to be a foodie person. Just, yeah. You know, just what you said, I see that people are reacting to their stuff. So, you know what, let me get some more of well, our stuff. Also, when you see somebody who has like, you know, 2,000 likes on a picture and you're like, you got five comments. Right. <laughs> you know, two of them were you. Like, right. <laughs> You're not, you're not moving. That's, in, that's important to state too. And just, we've talked about this before too, where when you go out to a restaurant every single day for however many times a week, you know, consecutively, you burn yourself out and eventually you stop going there altogether for a little bit. So if you're going back and you're retargeting people that were coming to the restaurant prior, you haven't seen their face in a while. Maybe you saw them geotag the post from like a year ago. And you reach out with a, a gift card to them to say, hey, come back out. We want to buy you an appetizer or, you know, a plate of wings, whatever it is. They're more likely to come back and then come back again, I would think, considering right. they're right. already somebody that's been in your business completely. Um, and to your point that you just said about the social media not having, you know, 5,000 likes instantly. When you want to talk about hitting somebody like you just said, just Joe Schmo on Instagram. They've got a family, whatever it is. They're not out there with 3,000 followers, some of those people that have 300 people following them, almost all 300 people are going to like their photos and mm -hmm. comment on them, and they're very close and respected with that small niche group that they're in. And you almost could do more damage showing up into there and saying, hey, come on out. Right, and yeah. when their friends right. see definitely it. Wanna, you definitely want to spread that out. Between, right. you know, and then there are you know, the, the person with a million followers, but they may ask for money to come in. And that's where it's up to each business to decide what their budget is for marketing. Um, you may decide to get, pay somebody $500,000 to come into your restaurant and say, well, that's, that's a small price to get a million eyeballs. So that's where, as a business owner, you have to make the decision out of your marketing budget where to spend your money. Right. Do you want to let the peoples out here, because there's a lot of restaurateurs that probably listen to us, I would 
think, and they their ears wiggled a little bit when you yeah. said you want a brick and mortar, but you need to find the right partner. Those partners are obviously <laughs> definitely out there listening, um, because this is one of the three restaurant podcasts that really exist, I think, out there, right? I think there's uh, four. Yeah, whatever. It's a small amount. <laughs> and uh, they'll probably be reaching out to you, I would assume, in the future when they hear this episode, whenever yeah, the, it hits I mean, them. listen, the, the opportunities now, you know, I think there's there's a brand there, you know, as opposed to a lot of new concepts that start cold, and you, know, you hope for the best. We've already got a following, we've already got a product people love. Um, I just need help, you know, with somebody with the, with the day to day, you know, how to specifically operations. Operational. Yeah. Okay. Uh, tell them where to find you on well, Instagram. It's Gothenburger Social Club. Uh, they could always email me at GothenburgerSocialClub at gmail.com. Send me a message on Instagram. You can send me a DM. Uh, I try and respond to everything, so I will see the message. There you go. Guys, don't forget to smash that like and subscribe button because, you know, algorithms. This has been On the Record, our long-form show that highlights local businesses that are rattling the cages. Hit the follow or subscribe button so these episodes show up in your podcast platform when they release. Tune in every Tuesday also to Waiting on Fries, where we tackle problems and topics that happen in your restaurants and bars.